You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we come to you for a very special episode today, the first in a brand new series we are calling Flashback Friday, where we bring you a classic interview or episode from our Survivor Oz days. Very excited to bring these back. We get a lot of requests constantly for access to these interviews. They are still all online through an uh, extra feed that we did back up all our old Survivor Oz episodes with. But we thought we'd still bring these to you once a week, just as a nice throwback on a flashback Friday for you to hear some classic interviews and episodes from our days back when we used to cover Survivor. This week, we asked you the question, who you most wanted to hear, uh, probably our two biggest ever contestant interviews that we ever had on the show in Greg Buis, and I'll say that again, Buis from season one of Borneo and Brian Hardick from season five of Thailand. Um, really the biggest two, as I said, contestants wise, at least that we ever had on the show. And our goal, of course, was always to track down as many as we could. And at the time of getting both of these people on the show, they had not been heard from in a very, very long time. Obviously, both have sort of done a few things here and there. I know Greg um, attended uh, Hearts of Reality one year, not long after this interview. And obviously, Brian, too, has done a fair bit more. He's uh, attended uh, Hearts of Reality a couple of times now. I believe he's appeared on several other podcasts since. So, um, obviously, they've come out of the woodwork a little bit. But we were the very first to get these guys in a very, very long time. The tribe has spoken, though, in terms of at least you, the listener, and you voted in favour of having Greg Buis's interview played this week. So that is what we're going to bring you today. Doesn't mean we're never going to play the Brian one for you. We can, of course, play that one for you at another time. At the moment, we're just experimenting a little bit with our voting system, and we might expand it a little bit down the line to include a few more options or just get some uh, feedback from some of you, the listeners, see what you really want to hear, and maybe we'll just go with some of those suggestions. But this interview, as I said, uh, was a big deal at the time. This is one of our uh, first major interviews that we had. We hadn't really been around for that long when this interview came about, and we like to be challenged on the show. A lot of people requested, get Greg, get Greg, and everyone was like, you're never going to get Greg, you're never going to get Greg, and we got Greg, and this is basically the interview that followed after that. Obviously, you were going to hear me completely mispronounce his surname, which, uh, you know, something that I haven't really lived down for a very, very long time, but it's still a very entertaining and informative chat from uh, one of the biggest cult heroes ever in the history of Survivor, and this ultimately became our most downloaded and listened to episode in the history of Survivor. I was eclipsing all other episodes that we ever did, and I believe at closing still remained the number one episode in terms of downloads and listeners ever. So uh, no no wonder this was chosen as your choice for this week's Flashback Friday. So I'm going to shut up right now, and I'm going to let you listen to our classic interview from Survivor Oz with Season 1 Borneo contestant Greg Buis. Greg Bui competed in the first season in Borneo where he finished in ninth place and became the first ever jury member in the history of Survivor. Known for his humorous antics, supposed dislike of Jeff Probst and the entire production crew, as well as his apparent romance with Colleen, Greg has gone on to become one of the most sought-after survivors in the history of the show and has obtained a strong cult following. And in his first interview in 12 years exclusively with Survivor Oz, I spoke to Greg about his time on the show and the cult status that has followed him, his relationship with Jeff Probst and Colleen, as well as 
because what source goes well with rats and that flying fish? Greg, welcome to Survivor Oz. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. Massive pleasure to have you on, Greg. I tell you now that um, not only are you the sixth person from Borneo to be on this show, but we get a lot of requests for survivors on this program, from winners to people like Jeff Probst, Mark Burnett. But we recently held two polls to see who people wanted on this program, and you topped both polls by a very large margin. You are in strong demand to be heard from on this program, Greg. Oh, I appreciate that. I've really, uh, really enjoyed Australia, so uh, it's nice to be supported by a place that uh, that I think is great. It certainly is amazing, too, to think that um, you've got such a, a following, not just here in Australia, but also around the world. Uh, you've almost got a bit of a cult status, Greg, amongst Survivor fans. Now, does this surprise you to hear this, or are you aware of this? I'm not aware of it. To tell you the truth, it's... Uh... I wasn't too involved after the show and uh, haven't been too involved since. I think this is probably the first interview since, um, well, since some of those interviews right after the finale. So uh, I haven't been, uh, I haven't seen too much of the, uh, the interest afterwards. It's, it's actually really incredible because there's a few forums based on the show which everybody, the super fans, I suppose you call them, chat about and you have these threads there based entirely on your performance and your time on Borneo, uh, rumours circulating about your time out there with Jeff Probst, Colleen, and there's videos and then there's rumours going around that you died in South America and that you've done this and you've done that and then we had a, a listener contact us, Erno, uh, from Finland, who's basically said, Greg now works for this company called Pioneer Green. Send him an email, see if you can get him on. And that's how we've even ended up talking today, Greg. So I think in 12 years, the rumours and everything that happens, here's proof that Greg Boy is still alive. <laughs> that's true. It sounds like some of the fans might remember it better than I do uh, with those going on. Uh, it sounds like it's been a very exciting life for me uh, in the past 12 years. Yes, it certainly has. It certainly has because I think that, I mean, obviously the first season was when, when the show became hugely popular and we've had guests from the first season on here that have ranked among our most favourite interviews. But you in that show, Greg, I mean, we all remember you from everything from uh, sleeping in the bush, uh, dancing, um, you're crying at the exit of Tribal Council, I think all of this is just has lifted you right up here in terms of uh, popular Survivor contestants, which is just incredible. Well, it was a great go. It was a really, it was a really fun time to be out there. Um, I, I love the opportunity to be out in in Borneo and in uh, in that kind of country in the tropics. I had never been anywhere anywhere close to that, and it was just incredible. It was the best vacation I could have asked for. And I suppose the disappointing fact, though, was uh, that it was actually a TV show in the end, wasn't it, Greg? Uh, I, th- I mean, that part brings a little bit of fun to it. Um, you don't have to do your own camera work. It's like a family vacation where somebody else is doing all the shooting for you. You're not saddled with having to take pictures of everybody. So it was great. The television part was also uh, worked out pretty well. That's actually a good point to think of. I've never really even uh, thought about that, the vacation side with nobody having to try and take the pictures. And that. One thing, though, that um, a lot of people have, have asked me in the lead-up to this interview, Greg, is um, what's led you into doing this interview now 12 years after your time on the show? It was really your persistence, Ben. Uh, just an email that was very simple and, and asking for it. Again, I haven't been involved in a while, and uh, touching base and reconnecting with Australia seemed pretty attractive. Um, I spent a semester there in college and, and thoroughly enjoyed my time. It was a great spot. Fantastic. I believe you spent your uh, your time here in Sydney. I think that's what you told me beforehand. Yeah, yeah, I was in 
Sydney and uh, lived in Randwick and went to the University of New South Wales. Oh, brilliant. So uh, your experiences here then, I suppose, living amongst us Aussies, uh, did you find it a lot of fun? Did you have uh, some good times trying to adapt to Australian culture? It was great. Uh, really great people, independent, wild, and, and out there to have a good time uh, and really enjoy themselves and enjoy other people. I mean, people made me feel really at home by taking the piss out of me now and again and nobody taking anything too seriously. So it's good. That's what we like to do here. I found that when I was uh, over there in America, um, my accent in particular was very popular and I would get stopped quite often. People saying, oh, where are you from? And Vegemite jokes and kangaroo jokes. It just happened all the time. Uh, yeah. 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 Did you try Vegemite when you were here? I do. I, in fact, I mean, I know it's not going to uh, go over that well, but I recently got some Marmite, which is as close as I can get to Vegemite out here. And I mean, recently, just two days ago, and was reliving the, uh, the experience. I got quite a taste for Vegemite while I was there. Wow. Vegemite and Blunt. Ah, yes. Blunt. Now, I'll tell you one thing with Blunsons. They're actually made right here in my very home state of Tasmania. Oh, no kidding. Mm, they're a Tasmanian-made uh, and a very proud Tasmanian company. And uh, there's a bit of a connection here to my home state there, Greg. Yeah. Well, they're great. I haven't worn a different shoe since I, uh, I bought them originally. Now, uh, well, it would be a lot of years ago, <laughs> 14 or 15. Wow, there you go. Big shout out to everybody from Blunson's who just uh, might be happening to hear this. You've got a fan over there in the US, Greg. But I mean, in the 12 years that um, it's been since you've even talked about the show, obviously a lot happens in people's lives over 12 years. And and I know for a fact too that um, personally you're working with a company and helped found a company called Pioneer Green. Now, this is a, a renewable, renewable energy company that um, helps develop with uh, wind projects and right across the US. Now, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit more about this and and how you came to be involved with it. Uh, thanks, Ben. I've worked in um, a few different things after Survivor, a lot of land use, working in kind of ranching in, in Mexico and farming uh, down into um, down into Ecuador for a spell, and uh, working with folks on uh, different uses for their lands. And that continued. Uh, I wanted to go back to school to understand it a little bit better, how folks might use their land and studied grassland ecology uh, in Kansas and in South Africa. And on my way out of that program, started looking to what I thought some of the key issues would be, which are energy and water. And um, after school, I started on with a company there uh, doing wind energy development, which was, again, working with uh, landowners to find out some alternate uses for their lands because energy is going to be uh, is currently an issue and is going to continue to be that, that focus for, for many of the folks throughout the world. Energy security for each country um, is a key. So that started the process a handful of years uh, ago, and, uh, and I haven't really looked back since. I founded a Pioneer Green with a couple of folks I had worked with before, We've been doing well. It's been about three years now, and we're working on a few key markets here in, in the United States, continuing to continue. Fantastic, and obviously uh, keeps you quite busy. You travel around the country a lot, uh, reading there on the website, brings you up into Canada as well by the looks of things well, so it sounds like uh, never dull, a dull moment there. Oh, no, I've kept my feet running and, uh, and, and gotten me some really pretty country out there some really pretty spots in the u.s western u.s yeah and you've been involved in obviously um as you were saying a lot of things throughout your time since survivor and a lot of things to do with the environment and all that sort of stuff too i mean was this a, a big factor obviously somebody who likes the environment that drew you into applying for the show survivor to live amongst the the wilderness and an environmental setting like that uh yeah yeah to some extent i think early on um I had a focus on living off the land, living sustainably. Uh, I had done a lot of survival classes, and to tell you the truth, 
uh, it was really my mother that brought me into it. Wow. Uh, the first for Survivor was uh, just radio advertisements, and they said, you know, it's going to be, nobody knew anything about it. They said it's going to be 16 strangers with the clothes on their back on a, on a remote island, hanging around for a while, surviving. And, uh, and my mom gave me a call. She had heard it. My mom gave me a call and said, well, Greg, you've done all these survival classes, and you're such a nice boy. You should really go out there and do it. So, uh, so she drew me in and, and really encouraged me to apply. And, uh, and to tell you the truth, it was it was kind of a joke. It was kind of a fluke. I had been um, road tripping around the West on a motorcycle at the time and didn't have um, had a lot of time and not necessarily something pressing. So it was fun to fun to apply. And yeah, getting into Survivor probably a piece of that was uh, getting the opportunity to live off the land in a different different part of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, uh, it just intrigues me to think because the people we've spoken to from the first season, I've I've often asked about how they even came to applying for it because I mean as you said nothing like this had been done before it was completely brand new I mean no one had seen it so I mean this was the true sense of survivor and the fact that you were all obviously applicants I mean nowadays they're uh, all drawn from recruits and the majority of them don't even apply anymore so this is where I think the first season was so popular and people like yourself Greg who have come out your mother suggested this and um, here we are today 12 years later speaking to you on the other side of the world it just shows you how much of a, a big thing this show went on to be yeah, it was a surprise it was a surprise for us all um when i thought about doing it i i thought it would be fun i treated it very lightheartedly going through the application process i nearly backed out rather than uh than go ahead with it as they continued to call the group um i realized it was getting more serious and i didn't know that it was something i would want to do um, but, you know, they re-explained the game or they explained the game when I started questioning uh, my involvement. And they said they're not looking for Jerry Springer. They weren't looking for something too wild. They were looking to get some interesting folks out there that had a, had a good story and, and see how things worked out on the ground and, um, and have some fun. Mm. And, have some, and when I tried to say that I wasn't interested, my mom uh, followed up again by not talking to me. She said, uh, I think you're missing a great opportunity and I can't believe it. <laughs> That was it. Uh, everybody else had big questions about it. My, my uh, another buddy of mine said, Greg, I don't know what's wrong with you. I mean, you've got to sober up. How many sheep buy a million dollars? At the time, I was looking not just that I have a love for sheep, but uh, I was looking to monitor a mountain sheep population as a field biologist. And uh, and in the end, uh, my friends and family really came through because it, 12 years later, it was a great experience. It was really fun. If um, you love sheep then, Greg, then maybe you should venture to our neighbours of New Zealand. They will uh, probably keep you uh, on board there quite well. But the, the thing that um, amazes me about that first season is that um, with a lot of people that we have seen gone on to do bigger and better things, we, we still see people get recognised 12 years on from the show. I mean, Jervis, for example, we've got somebody um, who listens to our show who has uh, recently bumped into him in America and we had him on the show and mentions people still stop him and say, hey, Jervis, I remember you from the first season do you ever get recognized at all hey you're greg from the first season of survivor it happens rarely uh, more and more rarely i'd say over the years probably uh, once or twice a year i'll bump into somebody who was a, a diehard fan and as they keep replaying the shows uh, it seems to follow up right around that showtime um, and it's a surprise for us both now that time has passed it's really fun to chat with somebody who's been uh, so engaged. Yeah, well, and what did your mum think then of your time on the show after pressing you so hard to go on it? You know, initially, she had a bit of a hard time when I got back, and she found that she'd spend less time with me out in public as we'd go to restaurants. I ended up chatting with other folks more than I ended up chatting with her. She had to drag me home and, and cloister me in the house uh, to have a 
to have a word. But overall, I think she's proud of the time out there and happy to have encouraged me to go. Well, I definitely think so. <laughs> yeah, well, moms are often right, and, uh, and she was right in this time. Uh, it was a great experience. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I'll tell you one thing, Greg. When we get to our listener questions very soon, we got a lot of listener questions in, I think about five times as many as we do for any other normal interview. So uh, a lot of things to cover when it comes to those. But um, a, a lot of the listener questions are based on two people, and that is Colleen and Jeff Probst. Now, it's been 12 years, Greg, but uh, we've got to ask the question, is there anything that you can tell us with Colleen that did or didn't happen during or after the show, and is it true that you and Jeff Probst did not get along? Those are both interesting questions. Um, I think they probably require some careful review of the tape. Um, I have not done that careful review of the tape on the show to see what exactly had happened there. Um, but it was exciting. I know that I called Colleen one evening uh, surprised that it appeared that we were making out on camera, which I don't remember particularly well. Uh, so there there was some uh, some magic treat happen, happening there with the cameras. But um, overall, things went fairly well. Colleen and I gave it a go for a while after the show, and, uh, and that didn't work out. But I think that she's still doing fairly well. And Jeff? Probst and I, I think we had a, a love-hate relationship, probably with a little bit more hate than love, but uh, I think we both enjoyed um, a little bit of jousting now and again, and uh, and really, I don't think it was anything bad. I don't think it was a, really wasn't that much hate, uh, but it was a little spicy for some time. Is it true that you, on a couple of occasions, got your Pagong tribe mates to actually vote for Jeff? And if this is true, did you end up having the, the correct amount of votes to vote him out of the game? Uh... <laughs> That sounds like a good option. You know, I don't remember trying to vote Jeff out, but I wouldn't have put it past. Uh, I wouldn't have put it past us at the time. Jeff had a had a tough job uh, in the mildest sense. He had to come in there and try and be a voice of, of the group, but without being part of the group. So, um, you know, I really appreciate Jeff's hard work and and kind of unusual position to be there. And uh, and I again, I think we just enjoyed enjoyed giving each other a little trouble now and again through that tribal council process. Definitely think so. Uh, I, I know a lot of questions were related to Jeff Probst. It was actually incredible. And a lot of people were mentioning, I think, the first uh, one of the first tribal councils that they apparently had to hold a production meeting based on um, your actions in one of the tribal councils. I think Mark Burnett mentioned it in his book um, that was to kind of keep you guys into line. I mean, it, it sounded like, Greg, that you just like to have a lot of fun out there and didn't really take too much care for the whole TV production side of things. That's yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I, we were out, or at least I was out to, to have a lot of fun. And uh, Mark and Jeff and, and the crew uh, had a tough job ahead of them. And um, and I think we did our best to enjoy ourselves. And man, that's reality. That was the that was the trick. So as they tried to rein us in, um, I probably tried to rein us out a little bit and, and have some some free reign on uh, on what we were doing. And uh, yeah, we did have some reviews of uh, appropriate tribal council behavior uh, after some of those early tribal councils. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. Well, one thing I was actually reading about you, Greg, too, is that um, a lot of people, as much as they love, obviously, your antics out there in that season and how entertaining you were, a lot of people do talk about the fact that as a reality TV contestant, you were quite ahead of your time in kind of your, your realisation of what was happening out there and obviously Richard uh, ended up getting you voted out because he felt that you were a threat and everything so as much as everyone loves the entertainment factor out there Greg 
review it, does that then almost feel a bit of an honour to think that people will also consider you as a good player of the game, particularly in its first ever season? I think, um, I don't know... I think my game was a little bit different than, than other folks, uh, and that I wasn't so involved in the in uh, winning or losing. I, I spent more of my time playing a game with uh, the production crew and the folks that were trying to uh, trying to create trying to create the game. And I think I was a little bit young, a little anti-establishment as far as the actual game was was to be played. I was there to go on vacation, have a wild time, and um, uh, in truth, I, I think that. The idea that I had a, an idea in my head that somebody was trying to put forward, put forward a bunch of money to get folks to do things they wouldn't normally do uh, on national television. And, I, you know, I found that unappealing at best. Um, and it wasn't something that I was willing to do. But rather than play the game according to no rules, you know, you could have gone one route, which was go ahead and do those things that you thought uh, it, that the money was encouraging you to do act, act a certain way. You could go the other route, which is not play the game, which is probably the route that I took. Um, or you could go a third way and really uh, carve your own path and, and uh, live a way that you could move forward without doing things that are inappropriate, you know, and try and really carry the group forward. So I would say, um, I don't know that I was much of a gamesman as far as winning winning the money. I would say I, I took a route very different from that. And it, it seems to have kind of polarized folks going forward that everybody is really gunning to win that game. Um, so I, it seems like some of those survivors have changed since the first one, which was a little bit more free, even though um, I think other folks had a lot more of a focus on winning than, than I did. Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely, I mean, we spoke to Richard on the show, and I mean, obviously we all know what happened with him, and he was all focused on winning the game, but I mean, other people were spoken to on this show from your season two has kind of said exactly what you have said. I mean, they were just there for a bit of fun. They had no real idea what to expect and everything. So I think as the game has developed, that's obviously changed, Greg. But, um, I mean, you guys were the virgins, the survivor virgins. Never been done before. Let's give it a try. So, I mean, I suppose you could just do whatever you want in that situation, couldn't you? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think um, I think other folks had a pretty good idea that they were headed, headed for a game. Uh, certainly, it, it appeared that people who had been around the block, maybe had a few years on them, were a little bit more focused on what on what that money meant to them and what they wanted to get out of it. Um, and and being in a younger, maybe a slightly more idealistic group, uh, we were not as, as focused. But if you look at it just separating out the, the potential prize, I think that uh, I think Jervis and Joel um, were headed into down that road of, of trying to win early on. Uh, I think BB also had, had some of that in him. And I don't know that, uh, and it may have been our whole group altogether, it was headed that way could see the writing on the wall we were just slow to get there yeah well i mean we both had joel and jervis and they mentioned that they were trying to kind of form alliances in the similar way that richard did but um i believe people like jenner and that just didn't want to have a bar of it you were from what we gathered from them they were just kind of wanting to play it and not thinking about the strategic element of it yeah yeah i think that that happened i think that that was definitely the case some strategy got me dropped along the road. Well, one thing, um, you mentioned BB. Now, um, I'm not sure if you can clear this up for us, Greg. I mean, a lot of people thought you were dead for a while, but I think a lot of people still believe BB is dead. Now, can you? do you know anything about BB? Do you know if he's still alive or not? Wow. You know, I, uh, I haven't kept in touch with folks very well over the years. I haven't heard about BB being dead or alive, um, and I hadn't even heard rumors of him being dead, so I haven't seen anything email-wise or otherwise. Yeah. 
I got nothing for you there. The last we heard, apparently he was at a fundraiser, I think. uh, There was a a news article for a fundraiser for Mitt Romney, and it was uh, quoted as saying uh, local constructor B.B. Anderson. And a lot of people have said, oh, he's not dead. There he is. But um, he's somebody that uh, I think, similar to you, Greg, hasn't been heard of really since the show aired. Yeah, yeah. The last time I saw B.B. was for probably that finale, and he seemed um, alive and well. But again, that was 12 years ago. Uh, it's hard to say. A lot of times in 12 years. Very much so, very much so. Well, you were saying, obviously, about um, uh, you felt that um, the, the guys were trying to maybe do a lot of things to try and make good TV and all this sort of stuff in terms of that. Was that a lot of the reason why then after the show you didn't want to do any interviews? It was kind of that whole aspect, or you were just wanting to move on from that entire Survivor experience? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know... Because I had not chosen to uh, to play the game, uh, supposedly, you know, and really go for uh, go down that route of, of winning money, uh, it, it was really a vacation, uh, and it was really an enjoyable time. But I didn't quite understand what it was that I would be standing on out there. What would we be talking about aside from yeah, I had a great time. Y'all have seen the show or the movie rather of uh, of that vacation, and what is it that we that we have to talk about? Yeah, I had a great great go of it, but. Life goes on, and I, I did not see the uh, the discussion points because I felt like I hadn't hadn't committed to that part of the gamesmanship, which is what people seem to want to talk about. Mm. And there there's a whole lot of life out there to live. Uh, getting caught up in reality TV when we had already done it seemed like um, seemed like I was burning time, burning daylight where there was some other things I wanted to get off. Yeah, well, I mean, you've obviously done a, a whole lot of that in the time since because I mean, obviously there are the two types of people on um, reality shows who like that. Greg is it the the people like yourself who you had a great time you had a great vacation you just want to move on and get on with your life or other people too they've found this new sense of fame hang on a minute i can turn this into numerous opportunities and uh obviously pursue the goal of uh trying to be famous sure and i think with a a lot of the celebrity worship that we have these days that um that that dream of being famous is pretty attractive to a lot of folks and it's an opportunity you know a lot of people don't necessarily know what they're doing and it's an opportunity to have an unusual job or an unusual way to make a living for a while and some folks certainly seem to do well at it. Uh, I talked to I talked to Joel, who we called Country Ray, while we were on the show um, about two years afterwards. And I remember he had done. I, I was headed off to uh, back to the sheep story. I, I was headed off to uh, herd some sheep in Montana, and uh, and we were catching up in the airport as I was making my way through. And uh, I asked Joel what he had been up to, and he said something like 152 television appearances in a year. Wow. And I just couldn't believe it. He um, I think he did well, and I think he really enjoyed enjoyed that side of things for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, we had Joel on, I think, about six months ago, and um, he was talking a lot about everything that happened. And um, it, it's crazy to um, to think, as we were saying about the popularity of the show, that, I mean, someone like yourself who didn't kind of pursue that, how, how you managed to go back into a sort of everyday life there. I mean, if you want to go back and herd sheep in Montana there, Greg, I mean, uh, do all the people in Montana all of a sudden go a little bit crazy over the this, uh, sheep farmer? Yeah, right. It was uh, it was a little bit strange for sure. Um, I had not uh, talked about it, and being in kind of rural rural parts, uh, not too many people had seen the show, so it was back to more or less back to regular life. But the show kept popping up, or some of the remnants of the show kept popping up. I um, I had some unusual juxtapositions of life there, from going to a, from first working in rural development in in Ecuador and folks that not only hadn't seen the show but you know just weren't involved in much television at all to um, rural montana where 
folks weren't necessarily involved and didn't recognize survivor. And then having to explain that I had to fly off from my job there and uh, and be a model in Spain for a week and then come back and, and be a uh, herd some sheep. Uh, it was it was a strange, strange discussion to have. But uh, yeah, I think they... They looked at me a little strange, but let me do what I was going to do. Sounds, yeah. sounds, sounds fun. Uh, and, and of course, as we've said already in this interview, Greg, you've got this uh, celebrity and cult following that you obviously haven't even been aware of. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you've got some time, I definitely recommend one time uh, having a bit of search for yourself on the internet because um, 99% positive comments and it's it's almost like um, when, when there's a really bad movie that everyone, say, doesn't really enjoy that much at the time, but over years it gets a lot better and a lot better and then people tend to absolutely love it. It's kind of like people enjoyed your time on the show, didn't think too much of it, but 12 years later, no one's heard from you. Bang, Greg Boy is right up here with a bullet in terms of Survivor Castaways. I mean, are you saying that I'm like a bad movie then? <laughs> a, a very good bad movie, Greg. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Night of the Living... Yeah, yeah, something... Return. Yeah, yeah, just maybe in those categories. Not, you know, we're not going to go as bad as something like Xanadu or something like that, but I mean, something that kind of... Over time, it, it just get a high level of appreciation. Yeah, I, I hear, I hear that. <laughs> have you um, watched any of the show at all, Greg? Since your time on it, or have you kind of caught any of it at all? You know, it was probably um, it was probably about five years after the show that I actually saw all the episodes that I was on. I was um, I had been working in jobs that didn't have a television all that close by, and uh, and finally caught the the entire show uh, season one, and, uh, and that was a great great watch, uh, very fun. And then um, I uh, ran into some friends and caught up with them over a couple of seasons of Survivor. I don't remember which ones they were, but I'd catch one or two episodes at a time and, and hear some of the backstory and uh, and could understand how people get into the the drama and the soap opera of it all. But no, I had not. Uh, I hadn't followed it. I had barely followed my own let alone followed the rest so uh yeah it's um when we get to our five questions at the end which are survivor based questions and that's going to make that for fun greg but um it's it's a similar story to to kelly from your season when we spoke to her she said she didn't even watch your season um hasn't really watched it since so i mean i i think as you were saying before we're sort of moving on from it i mean you've just got that vacation then that you can see it as a holiday and uh, don't really need to see other people's vacations since yeah yeah good slideshow to watch good movie to watch and, uh, and it was really a great time. I, a lot of people have applied. As I understood it, there were uh, 6,000 people that applied to the first one and 60,000 that applied to the second one. You know, that popularity had grown, uh, certainly, in trying to get involved. Uh, and I would encourage folks Absolutely. Well, one thing too then, Greg, that if you ever got a, a random phone call, CBS call you up tomorrow, hey, Greg, we want to do this uh, super all-star season, bringing back people from the first season, would you consider going back? I mean, I guess I'd always consider going back. Uh, depends on where it is and depends on what's going on. It was a fun It was a fun go around. It would be a little bit different nowadays to, to stop work and... Um, get involved in a, in a new program there because it's a real time commitment. Um, and that's that's not as easy to come by as it used to be. I, I see that it's probably challenging for a lot of the folks um, that have careers that they're involved with and, and less than necessarily just the career, but the opportunity that you're working on something and, and you don't want to give it up for a couple of months. You're working on something you really like to do. You don't want to give it up necessarily for uh, for a two-month vacation. So 
Uh, I guess I'd say never say never, um, but the likelihood is probably low. <laughs> well, there you go. CBS finally this interview, Greg. You never know. There's often talk about old school versus new school, and with your cult status amongst Survivor fans, you, you never know, Greg. Yeah, I may, you know, I may just show up on one unannounced, find out where they're filming. You just pop up with your coconut phone going, hello, I heard something going on here. Hello, Survivor. That'd be good. That'd be good. I, I thought that they had done their last one. Maybe you know better than I do. I thought they did their last one, though. No, no they've um, still going. 25 is uh, coming in September, and um, season 26 is apparently being filmed as we speak. So um, I think that's all they've signed up to do from what I remember. But, um, you know, there's possibilities that they'll end up going back. But it it seems what they're doing a lot now, Greg, is that um, they're bringing a lot of the returning players back uh, just for normal seasons because uh, they... I mean, the ratings aren't obviously as what they were when you were on the show, so they're trying to bring back some of these former characters. But, I mean, for example, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, Boston Rob, who was in the fourth season went back for his fourth time and uh, finally won it. So uh, if you win it after your fourth go, you think you kind of need to win it after your fourth go. Yeah, yeah. well, good for him. I mean, that's uh, that's quite an accomplishment, make it through four rounds and finally take it at the end. Mm, yes, indeed. Now, we'll get to some listener questions in just a second, Greg, because we've got a lot of these to uh, to get to. But uh, I just wanted to ask, in relation, we are mentioning about Colleen before. Now, uh, she obviously went on to, uh, to star in The Animal after uh, Survivor. Now, we've got a lot of people asking questions. Did you watch the animal and uh did you think it was bad as everyone else thought it was <laughs> um i mean it's hard to think it's bad it did have colleen in it which you know that's the upside uh but the movie on the whole um okay it's not hard to think that. <laughs> uh yeah Col- colleen was great she was she was certainly a lot of fun and uh and went on to do a few things there that um you know, i think she had a pretty good go doing it. it's not like you often have uh, the opportunity to do a movie she never professed to be an actress so, you know, there's there's that side of things, but no need to make excuses. It, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not one of those uh, bad ones that end up becoming good, I think, Greg. We were talking about before. It's just uh, something that just remains bad. Yeah. So if you're saying that I'm like a bad movie, man, <laughs> and I've done a bad movie, maybe that's a match made in heaven. Maybe. Maybe. It's a very good point, actually. And uh, an Australian connection to that, of course, Michael Caton, who was the professor, a very popular actor here in Australia as well. Huh, I didn't know. He's, he's Australian and um, starred in a very famous Australian movie called The Castle, so uh, there's a random fact for you, Greg. Yeah, file that one away. <laughs> well, Colleen, actually, um, a lot of people ask about Colleen as well, so um, hopefully if we ever tie Colleen up for this program, Greg, we could, you know, get you two connected for a bit of a reunion. You never know. It's been a- it's been a while, but uh, certainly a little video chat would be an interesting uh, an interesting chat, I'm sure. I reckon it would be. Well, we'll get to these listener questions now, and of course, everybody can send these in, survivoroz at hotmail.com.au. And today's listener questions are brought to you by Cool Flying Fish, because if you're going to get distracted in Borneo, there's nothing better than being distracted by a flying fish. And our first question from Russ Bartlett of Arlington Heights in Illinois wants to know, Greg, what colour was the flying fish that distracted you during your confessional? Uh, I mean, aren't all flying fish blue and silver? <laughs> I don't know, possibly. Yeah, I, I mean, I figure that's that's what I remember seeing. Yeah, <laughs> only one. That was the most random thing I think I remember about that season was just in the middle of a confession. Oh, well, cool, flying fish, and then you're back into telling everybody what you were thinking. Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a lot going on out there. It was hard to get plugged in in front of the um, in front of the cameras because you know it's nice. 
it was it's fine to sit down and have a chat with somebody but man that country was just so beautiful uh between the hardwood trees and all of the vines monkeys all over the place flying fish we had um we had the, the uh, monitor lizards and um and the snakes and rats all over the place. There was, uh, there was a lot of action. Snakes and rats, too, in terms of the contestants, as made famously by the Sioux, of course, Greg. Very true, very true. Uh, people did embody what was around them, uh, some of the animal spirits, it seems. And, uh, yeah, some people did act a little strangely. And in terms of rats, of course, famously eating those, and you famously mentioned, too, about uh, thinking that uh, a good sauce would be needed with rat. Have you ever worked out what sauce is good with rats, Greg? Uh <laughs> You know, I think that the sauce that goes best with rats is one that covers the gamey flavor. Uh, you know, doing the fire-cooked rat is, is good, but if you're going to stew the rat, you are going to want to do something that, uh, that does cover that, that gamey flavor. Very good point. Does people still ask you about eating rats? And whenever you see a rat now, Greg, does it kind of bring back a bit of memory for you? Uh, it's almost Pavlovian uh, there where my mouth starts watering when I see rats. Most people revolted running the other way, me salivating and, and headed, for, uh, headed for a stick to try and get it. <laughs> you just grab a random knife and just start killing these rats all of a sudden. My rat, my lunch. Yeah, very true. Uh, I saw a mouse in a trap the other day and you know somebody was getting ready to throw it out. And of course I had to ask are you going to throw that out? <laughs> that was your dinner. Yeah, yeah. Why waste it? <laughs> uh, our next question uh, from David Healy uh, wants to know that um, at the final tribal council, is it true that you intended to vote Richard all along and was picking a number for both of them just a way of sparing Kelly's feelings? Uh, no, there was no sparing anybody's feelings. You know, picking a number is as good a way as, as doing anything um, when it comes down to it. I thought that the idea of that somehow we get retribution at the end of the show or that somehow you could hold people accountable for the, their actions was a little bit, a little bit silly. Um, so people had made their choices and maybe it helps people um, uh, rein in their, uh, their nastiness to know that they'll have to answer in front of a tribal council. But, you know, you hope that people would rein in their nastiness feeling that they'd have to rein in or Right in the nastiness, feeling that they had to run into folks later on um, in life, and know that they they made those choices. And so I didn't think that there was really a lot of purpose to like, you know, who else would you have up there on stage, or not, you know, some question that it was like, you know, tell me how great I am, or tell me how sorry you are, or some other crap. I mean, pick a number. Uh, you may or may not make it here. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's interesting, as somebody that hasn't really seen the show since, Greg, that I think um, Sue's speech in that final tribal council has gone down as one of the uh, the best of all time, probably the best of all time. And um, if you ever do get a chance to watch any of the other seasons and you see some of the, the tribal councils, I don't think it can match that first season. I mean... You asking them to choose a number. I think somebody did it in another season off the top of my head. They said, choose a number. But it wasn't pick a number between one and ten. It was like, pick a number between one and a million. I think yours was just nice and simple. Yeah, I, you know, Sue was, uh, Sue was kind of, um, how do you say, uh, unrestrained in her, in her speech there. And I think Richard would agree it was never in the bag. No matter what you're trying to do, I don't think anybody ever has it in the bag from early on. There, there are a lot of decisions throughout the show that play out that affect its outcome. Rudy, Rudy pulling his hand off of the uh, off of the statue there. I, I mean, had he not done that, he knows well that it could have definitely changed how things played out. Could have definitely changed the outcome. Uh, so there, are, there are a whole bunch of little decisions that play into it. So really, I thought. 
pick a number, it, it, it is almost random at the end. Uh, we all make choices throughout on whether we're going to stay or not stay, but, but it is pretty random in the end who, who wins, I think. Very true, very true. And it, as I said, very interesting way of deciding it. Now, our next question we have from Doris Locke of Dorisey in California, kind of related to the, the tribal council aspect and the jury, um, who wants to know about Loser's Lodge um, after you were voted out for the jury. How was it being the first ever jury member in the history of Survivor? And were you told that you would have to keep going back to tribal council after you were voted out as a member of the jury? Um, that first one, uh, so I didn't, I, I think some other folks got to hang out for a little while on the island and say goodbye. Uh, I was ushered off fairly quickly, um, and came to learn that there seemed to be some belief that I was going to stay on the island and cut the power, uh, was the explanation, uh, to me. So I was ushered off immediately and brought to, um, brought to a resort and then worked out, uh, going back on the show there. And, and seeing if we were, in fact, going to return every week. And, um, you know, I figured the show's over. We've done it. And, and now now you just kind of got to play out the end of it. So I didn't mind heading back. I had nothing. Uh, I had no uh, axe to grind with anybody. So I figured we might as well, um, you know, continue on. And people brought up the question then, like, uh, as though Jeff and I had had an issue, Jeff Brooks and I, and we really didn't. It was fun, fun to have our roles on the show. Um, but there was nothing, nothing we had a problem with. Or I had a problem with him, or I don't think he had one with me. And I would say the most challenging part of that post-confessional experience was really being back on the resort. Uh, man, it was paradise on the island. We had an island that was formed by a mud volcano. You could have your mud bath. You eat your foods, sweat all day. You lose some weight. I mean, it was like a spa experience, um, but even better. And then I was brought to the resort that was this unbelievable five-star resort that had uh, everything constructed around it as though you're living this incredible spa experience with a, uh, you know, a waterfall leading into the pool with big rocks and everything else. And, and putting those two things, the creation of nature and real, uh, real kind of island experience next to one another uh, were, was really challenging. So I think uh, in some ways heading back to the island was a relief afterwards. And showing up for the tribal council was a fun experience. And being back there on the mainland with uh, that, that five-star resort was really, really kind of a trick. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely sounds interesting because I think um, when we spoke to Joel, he was mentioning, obviously he went before the jury, about um, them trying to kind of work out how then they bring back the jury and vote for that winner. It kind of sounded like a lot of it was um, sort of planned as they went along instead of kind of pre done beforehand yeah that's that's true you know um throughout the show I, I think that the people who put it together did a great job on not knowing what they were getting into but coming up with a framework that kind of worked um and really worked well they orchestrated a great um great show but there were a lot of things that were worked out on the fly and uh, that was one of them i remember talking through it with mark and jeff and um and craig religion um um how the jury would kind of play out. It was set up that we were that I was supposed to go back um, and start doing that jury, but it wasn't it wasn't set in stone. And I think had there been something real wrong with it, or, or uh, you know anybody had a real problem with it, that, that it probably wouldn't have played out that way. And uh, they had come up 
with some ideas of, of watching dailies and just doing like a telecast from the resort where we were staying rather than traveling back and, and being involved in the show again. But again, it was, it was the option to hang out in Malaysia and, and now and again, every couple of days, go on a road trip and see how your uh, your fellow castaways were doing. Mm. So so why not? Why not go and see a, see a story? Exactly. And the whole show would be completely different if they didn't do that, of course, Greg. And you will always go down as the first ever jury member in the history of Survivor. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It was, um, and the jury was very, it was a little bit strange to step back into that world and look at the folks still out there, still struggling through. <laughs> I can definitely imagine that. Well, our final question we have here from uh, Michael Graga, who wants to know, Greg, if you use a coconut droid or a coconut iPhone, or if you are too hipster now for a smart nut. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've moved straight to pine cones. Uh, we're not in coconut country anymore. I, I dropped the coconut and it uh, broke the coconut screen. So uh, so it's really straight to pine cones for the most part. How many questions it's, did you get about that coconut when you got home? Man, uh, there was a lot of talk. There was a lot of talk about the coconut foam for sure. Um, it, was, uh, it was a fun experience. That was one of the things looking back that um, it certainly wasn't planned and uh, certainly made bigger waves than expected while I was there. <laughs> I can definitely imagine. I will say thank you to everybody who sent us questions in and sorry we couldn't get to all of them. We did get a lot of questions too, Greg, as I said, not only about Jeff Probst and Colleen, but uh, also a lot of people about your sister who wanted to know about that whole video and uh, how planned that was and if, th- if that's just you two, your relationship. I mean, that was just interesting. Yeah, no, uh, there were there was no planning um that was probably yeah i don't think anybody knew that my sister was going to be there to to give the uh, to give the interview i think that that video was supposed to go to my folks or or at least that side of my family and they passed it on to my sister to do it and uh my sister is probably one of the reasons that um i I went on the show in the first place because she and i made the, the original video to get on there and so it was just having a good time with her and, um, you know, and having a lot of fun that, that led to that video and probably led to getting on the show. Yeah, yeah, it certainly uh, turned out very interesting. Well, Greg, we wrap up every interview set of five Survivor-based questions. Now, obviously, as somebody who hasn't really watched the show a lot, um, we'll, we'll get, uh, we'll explain some of these. Because some of these, you can answer some of these, just the opinion ones might be a little bit uh, difficult. But if you're ready to go with these, Greg, we'll, we'll get started. Sure. Uh, first question in terms of Jeff Probst. Now, in every season of Survivor, how many different cargo shirts do you think Jeff wears? And if he was to compete, how far do you think Jeff would make it in a season of Survivor? Ooh, interesting question. Um, his cargo shirts, doesn't he have like 500 of the same shirt? Pretty sure, and they're all that nice blue, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I, they are They are exact replicas. Yeah, uh, I would say it's 500. And Jeff on surviving out there? Man, I got... <laughs> I think that would be great. I think it would be an interesting show to see uh, how how Jeff does on the road. He's got enough experience there. He'd probably do quite well. You have to think so. And I could just imagine if um, you came back then, Greg, and became the host, then um, you could flip things around and uh, you can you can try and be hold him into line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that <laughs> we would, as uh, as parents probably often say to kids, that give them a little trouble. Um, I wish nothing more than you have five more like yourself. Like you're saying, if I had to go back on as the host and, and Jeff as a cast member, uh, I'm sure we would enjoy uh, enjoy that process. <laughs> I think a lot of people would enjoy seeing that too. Now, uh, Greg, uh, this one, again, to give you best answer, if you haven't seen much of it, then uh, this one might be a bit difficult. But in the history of Survivor, what has been your favorite season and least favorite season? 
Yeah, I got nothing. I got nothing on favorite and least favorite. Uh, I guess um, my favorite season was ours, and my least favorite was ours. I mean, I haven't seen anything but ours, so I got nothing to respond. Yeah, that, that's completely fine. Well, this one you'll be able to answer because um, I'm not sure if you're aware now, Greg, but in that final tribal council, they actually have a final three now instead of a final two. Now, I don't know if you're aware of that to start off with. No, I was not aware. Well, they, they have a final three now, and they actually have a... The way the jury works, there is a possibility that there could be a tie to decide who wins that million dollars. So if that was to happen, Greg, as somebody who hasn't seen the show in 12 years, how do you think they should decide who wins the game of Survivor? I think that's got to be an easy one, Ben. We kind of talked through this. you got to pick a number. Yes, yeah. that easy. Number between 1 and 10? Likely. I've... I mean, you could tighten it up a little bit if you wanted to. If there are only a couple out there. I like it. Just a couple more. I like it. Yeah. See, that hasn't been answered yet, and you're the perfect person to answer that question, I think, Greg. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, that first go-around, um, there are some things that I can't believe happened, uh, and I would imagine they've changed since. But we were all there watching how things played out and, uh, and then asked to keep a secret. Keep a secret through the end on who won and i wouldn't believe that 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 lasted too much longer sounds like it's much more of a, a real secret situation where not a lot of people know know the final outcome until you have the uh, yeah, well, I mean, um, they your season was the only one where they revealed it at that final tribal council. Now they don't reveal the votes until the finale where it's live in front of America. So there's, a, I suppose, a six or so month period between when they've filmed it and when it airs where even the final two, final three don't even know. Yeah. What um what were the what's the favorite survivor of the fans uh, of your fans? Out of our fans is in terms of uh, people who have been voted for sort of like a favorite one or a favorite show versus least favorite show. Is there a consensus? Well, um, a lot of people vote for your season and the second season because I mean obviously they were very popular. Um, we're going we're telling the votes up very sh- soon, and I would say that first and second season are the most popular, but also um, Season 16, which was a fans versus favourites, so they got like eight returning players versus some new players, and also uh, Season 20, heroes versus villains, so you had, you know, your evil people versus your good people are very popular. Uh, Least favourite, Season 5 in Thailand's not very popular. Um, The most uh, recent season uh, that just aired of One World wasn't overly popular. Um, I, I can gladly say your season has never been voted as the least popular greg so uh you're you're on a very popular season don't worry about that oh yeah well that's good to know um but uh interesting to see that they've they've uh they've been able to keep it lively for folks for so long 25 seasons sounds like they're still pretty good uh pretty good attendance. yeah exactly well it's certainly um as i mentioned before about super fans um you know you get a lot of people who are, have obviously grown up on the show and um we're starting to see now some uh winners of the show who are who are massive fans the winner of the 15th season todd who we had on not too long ago um he was known as the first super fan to win he'd grown up on the show and seen every episode and was an obsessed fan and went on to win it. So um, who knows, Greg? People are, in, are channeling their inner Greg in terms of uh, getting that right level of uh, entertainment value and uh, the bad movie factor out there uh, for future seasons. Yeah, yeah, I think we should change that maybe to cult movie factor. Yeah, okay, yeah, cult movie factor. Well, as I said, you've got a cult status, so yeah, cult movie. I like that. And, th- and people study and go to see late-night screenings of cult movies at midnight. People can do that with Greg. Yeah, like a Rocky Horror Picture show, kind of a freak show. Kind so of would people then dress up, I suppose, in uh, with coconut phones and um, come running down the, the beach asking who killed the chicken and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. 
absolutely. Wear what you want. Wear your shirt for your pants. Feel free to uh, dress or undress as you feel feel so inclined. Sleep in, uh, sleep in the bush and um, come arm in arm with a colleen. Yeah, yeah. Well, it sounds like most of Australia, no? <laughs> yeah, we just do that every day. What can I say? I mean, uh, I'm, as soon as I finish this interview, that's exactly what I'm doing. Head out to the bush. Yep, that's what we do. That's where we live. Just eat some kangaroos and um, kill them with our boomerangs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, our final two questions, what I'll do for these ones, um, I'll alter these ones slightly just for your season then to, to make it so you can answer them. Now, uh, this question generally, is who is the most uh, undeserving winner and most deserving person who didn't win. So I'll say to you now then, from Richard's standpoint, do you believe he was the uh, the most deserving to win your season? And is there somebody in your season who you think deserved to win if Richard didn't win, if that makes sense? Oof. So l- let me see if I got this straight. You're saying if I were Richard. Mm-hmm. So think I'm thinking as Richard, of the season and what I think of the deserving versus not mm-hmm. deserving folks. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. That, is a tough, that is a tough question. I believe Richard would probably find himself to be the most deserving. Um, so speaking as Richard, I am the most deserving. Um, you know, and I wouldn't necessarily say that was wrong. Deserve is a tough, tough question to, uh, to speak to or a tough topic to speak to. If by deserve, you mean worked hard, goal-focused, goal had envisioned a particular path and had done everything with mistakes along the route um, to get there. And then by by luck and skill and potentially that visioning had gotten to the uh, got to the goal, if that makes somebody the most deserving. You know, I would say that Richard is certainly up there uh, from my perspective, uh, as well as his own. I, I wouldn't imagine he thinks of that too differently. If there were um, somebody else to put up there in his place, man, that's hard to say. I think... Uh, I mean, I don't think it was an issue for Rudy ever. Like deserving, um, I, it seemed kind of like a walk in the park for Rudy. It was kind of hangout time. Uh, um, there was no challenge for him aside from maybe just making it through day to day, putting up with folks that he thought were uh, not necessarily the folks that he'd want to hang out with every day. But then again, maybe we all felt that way. So maybe Rudy, uh, other folks that had tried to enact it and more deserving. I don't know. Anybody who tries to do it in their own way was uh, least potentially deserving. But I think Richard did a good job of it. Well, I can tell you when we had Richard on the show, Greg, that within about 30 seconds of starting talking to him, he was already mentioning he was the greatest of all time. So <laughs> you are absolutely right. And in um, our final question is generally who is the greatest survivor of all time. And again, Richard uh, clearly answered himself. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I'm, some things change after 12 years. Some things don't. <laughs> Richard doesn't, um, although the one thing I suppose that uh, doesn't change is that maybe he needs to learn how to pay his taxes potentially. Uh, maybe. It kind of seems like he's making those mistakes over and over again. Um, yeah. Yeah, you things to learn out. Big hello to Richard if he is listening. Well, I'll I'll say the final question then for you then, Greg. Made up on the cusp. In terms of your season, who was the person, well, I think we kind of already know the answer to this one, who was the person you got along with the best out there and who was the person that uh, you just could not stand whilst you're out there in Borneo? Oof. Uh, No, I think I probably answered um, that question on the show to some extent. Um, I I certainly got on well with, well, try that again i certainly got on well with colleen she was a real pleasure to be around on the show we had a we really had a great time being out there i got on well with Jervis too he was he was really a classic for someone who had come from where he had come from uh living in the city uh not knowing how to swim he sure was relaxed 
in, in his thing. And I had a lot of respect for Jervis and, and did at the time. He made a real strong impression on me for just how comfortable he was in a completely different world from the one he was used to. And he was not afraid to try new things. He didn't love uh, didn't love rat, but um, you know that's that's not a requirement of enjoying your time out there. So he was a real pleasure. Joel was really fun for uh, he had a strong personality, and I would say he was he was fun to be out there and kind of a caricature of himself. And uh, and he was really fun afterwards too. Uh, there were some some pretty good folks to be around. Let's see, and the people that I didn't care for, mm-hmm. well. Uh, you know, my mom used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I, I'm going to have to that How one. did I get a feeling you were going to say something like that, Greg? I could just see you delaying that answer very much, and then you were just going to say that. To, you don't even want to give a nice little a little teaser as to somebody you just didn't get along with. No, no. You know, a lot of water under the bridge. I probably told more than I needed to say on the show of, of folks that, that put a little sand in your shorts. Um, but we live on the beach. I mean, sand gets in your shorts. It happens. We'll say Jeff Probst then. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave him still. He reminds you that sand reminds you you're alive. When you get a- very true, yeah. Greg. Very true, Greg. Well, Greg, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on honor here after obviously so long since you've uh, even talked about the show, mate. Thank you very much for giving us your time. We'll put all details on our website to do with our Pioneer Green so people can read more about it, um, see how they can get involved, etc., etc. And um, we, you're welcome back on this program anytime you like. And um, hopefully one day, mate, you never know, we might see you again on our screens in Survivor. Okay, thanks a lot, Ben. It was a real pleasure to be here. And a lot of fun, that was indeed uh, a lot of fun to hear Greg again and was someone that we did reach out to every now and then to see if he wanted to make another appearance on the show but obviously Greg doing great things outside of uh, Survivor now nearly 20 years since he appeared on the show so uh, a long time ago but um, great memories if you have ever haven't watched Borneo in a long time or even if you're sort of a newer fan and have never gone back and watched the odd seasons just go back and watch it so iconic so incredible and Greg giving some of the best stuff we'd ever seen ever on Survivor still to this day our next Flashback Friday episode will be happening next week we'll be putting a poll up on our website tomorrow for you to be able to vote and our next options we're putting up two female one time winners who are going to be on season 40 next season our interviews our classic interviews with either Danny Boatwright from Guatemala I know a lot of people were requesting that one or Denise Stapley from the Philippines both very very good interviews uh, two of my personal favorites so uh, it's going to be a tough one this week I I am happy that either of them will win so uh, go out there vote head to our Facebook page find it on the Oz Network there and you'll be able to vote a couple of days voting and then we will play the winner of that poll uh, for you this time next week. And again, as I said, please send us in your suggestions, comment on those posts, send us a message to say who you would like to hear, uh, and we'll keep these suggestions on board, and then we can put it out there over the coming weeks because we've got plenty of these to get through, folks. It's not like we're going to run out of these anytime soon. So uh, we're enjoying this new segment, and we hope you're enjoying it at the same time too. If you are listening to us today, you haven't liked us on Facebook, by all means, please do go to that page, like us on Facebook whilst you're there voting for the poll. Also, we're on Twitter and Instagram. We really appreciate if you followed us on both. And the biggest thing that we of course would really really appreciate it if you listen to us on itunes google Podcasts, spotify stitcher any of those podcast channels please if you could leave us some feedback rate us on there we would very much appreciate that the more you rate us and leave us feedback the better exposure we do get out there amongst the podcast helps us spread the show a little bit further and then that helps us be able to get more exposure bring you more content it's kind of a nice little round circle 
So uh, there you go. Outside of Survivor 2, it's not just, of course, Survivor that we do cover. Mainly, we're not covering Survivor anymore. But, of course, we have some great things coming up, uh, coming your way. We just started Disney Live Action Month this week. So you can hear our uh, episode on Maleficent coming up yesterday. Uh, We have Beauty and the Beast coming up next week in the lead-up to The Lion King. Third Watch fans, every Wednesday, of course, we have a Third Watch episode going up there as well. Lost fans, every Monday we have an episode of Lost going up for a recap. And Tuesdays is generally our random rewatch day. Colin, Rossi, they bring you some entertaining stuff there as well the amazing race as well wrapped up this week so there'll be a conclusion episode of that coming your way too plenty of stuff on the Oz network basically an episode a day to really keep you pumped up and excited so uh stay tuned and we appreciate all the support that you like to give us in the meantime thanks for listening to this flashback episode a flashback friday episode i should say on the Oz network and we'll speak to you next time good night thank you for listening to the Oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.